Thanks for joining us today. You're not here by accident. I believe that God is going to impart a message of hope to you today. And at Summit Christian Center, well, that's what we're all about, bringing messages of hope to people here and around the world. You can play a part in this by simply going online to summitsa.com. That's summitsa.com and select giving. Your giving enables us to keep the messages going forward. Thanks for joining us today and may God richly bless you. Hey, good to see everybody and I sincerely hope you had a nice week. Thank you for spending these few moments with us. I'm going to conclude something we began two weeks ago about talking about the importance and power of God's Word as it relates to your destiny, as it relates to your health, your marriage, your career, your future, your children. It is very, very powerful. We said the Word of God is the most powerful healing force ever released on planet Earth. God presents Himself to Israel as a healer. In the book of Exodus, He says, For I am the Lord that heals you. Now, when did God say it? God said it after he liberated Israel from Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a spiritual type of Satan who owned these Hebrew slaves. And I have to tell everybody that until you surrender to Jesus, the prince of darkness owns you, literally. Paul said you will either be a slave to Satan or a servant of Christ, but you will serve one of the two. One of my old, old pals, Bob Dylan, had an album called Slow, Long Train Coming, Slow train coming. It's so slow I can't remember. But in it, he had a song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. I don't know if you remember that. He said, It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you gotta serve somebody. So knock it off. Everybody's serving somebody or something. <clears throat> and so as soon as Israel was delivered from Egypt, which is a type of the world in sin, they were delivered by the blood of a lamb. That's a picture of Jesus shed blood for us. They crossed the Red Sea, a type of water baptism, and Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, that what happened to Old Testament Israel was written for our New Testament, our instruction and an example. So God was saying to those that have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, set free and baptized in water, my top priority for you is to walk in divine health. Now you talk about national health care. The Bible says in Psalms 105, verse 37, that not one of these millions of Israelites that were delivered from Egypt was sick or feeble for the next 40 years. Get you some of that. Come on, that's right there in the Bible. So God wants primarily his children to walk in health and healing. He says in 3 John, my brother, my heart's desire and prayer for you is that you might prosper and be in health. So would you quit believing that all God has for you is a get by, suck it up, bump along life. He has a better life for you, but it does require a little bit of intelligence and a lot of obedience, but it's there. And if it's there and it's covenant, I want it. Psalms 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, and don't forget all his benefits. And then he names a lot of these benefits. Number one, he forgives all my iniquity, my sin. Number two, he heals all my diseases. Not some of them, all of them. Number three, verse four, who redeems your life from destruction. That's divine protection. 
Number four, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. That means you and I as believers have the favor of God. Every redeemed person in the world has something more valuable than your 401k, more valuable than silver and gold, the favor of God. You are blessed and highly favored. And number five, he says, verse five, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Now the fact is, old eagles grow new feathers. Now, some of you old buzzards need to listen to this. And in their old age, they can do the same exploits as the young eagles. You think about that. Some of you need to stop looking in the mirror at your gray hair and start growing some new feathers. That is a promise. I have been praying for 30 years in my 74-year-old life, Lord, I ask you to retard the aging of my body and renew my youth like the eagle. I pray that over my life for 30 years. I don't look like somebody that needs a wheelchair. There is, I'm going to show you literally and prove it to you in just a moment, and then you can walk away and ignore it, or you can join a couple of thousand of us in doing something about it, and we will in just a few moments. Now, Moses died at 120 and walked to his own funeral. I want some of that. Jesus introduces himself as the great physician. He healed the sick, the lame, the dumb, the paralyzed people, people with blood disorders. He raised the dead. He turned water into wine. He, the church has been turning it back to water for 2,000 years. He walked on water. He defied the laws of nature. He defied the laws of medical science. Why? to show us that nothing is impossible with God. If God be for you, who can be against you? My grandfather used to say, Ricky, if God's not for you, it doesn't matter who's for you. If he's against me, I'm toast. But if he's for me, you can't upseat me. So the same healer is in this house today, and his name is Jesus, and he's here. He's still the great physician. He's still the one by whose stripes we are being healed. Today, tomorrow, and forever. Jesus has not changed. Hebrews 13, 8. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you need to get yourself in the right body of Christ and get your head screwed on right with Scripture. Jesus doesn't just get us to heaven. He still does pretty miraculous things. Be expectant of it. Matthew 19, verse 26, Jesus looked at him and said, with men, <clears throat> this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So the first requirement of receiving a miracle is not what you can believe, it's going to hurt, it's what you can obey. Jesus turned water into wine only when his mother told the servants, do whatever he says. It's pretty obvious they were not Americans and certainly not Texans. It's not what you believe, it's what you obey. She told the servants, go get the water pots. Remember, they needed wine. They didn't stand around and say, why? They didn't look at her and say, you got to be kidding me. What do water pots have to do with wine for this party? But they obeyed. And when they obeyed, he turned the water into wine. That was a good wedding. That's a good wedding. You know, different denominations ought to read all the scripture. It just messes them up really, really bad. Moses turned water into blood. That was a symbol of death and judgment on Egypt. Jesus comes along, turns water into wine, a symbol of blessing, gladness, joy, and rejoicing. 
So the miracle set the tone for Jesus' coming ministry. He said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. I've overcome fear. Be of good cheer. Fear not. It is I. So healing and good health begin with good cheer. Listen to Proverbs 17, verse 22. This is the good news translation. Being cheerful keeps you healthy, you old sourpuss. Being cheerful keeps you healthy. It is slow death to be gloomy all the time. Boy, God bless you if you're married to somebody like that. Their book, their face looks like the book of Lamentations all the time. No joy. You can carry a Bible and have a sorry disposition and not have an ounce of joy. Jesus did not come to quench your joy. A lousy church did that to you. A bad cultural background did that to you, but not to Jesus of this Bible. Now, we're talking about the obedience factor. Listen to Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 2. Now, it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, to observe carefully to do all His commandments, the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So the secret to a miracle is always obedience. Now demons believe in Jesus. They just don't obey Jesus. It says in the book of James that when they hear the name of Jesus, they tremble, but they don't obey so if you hear the name of Jesus and all you do is have some emotional experience, you don't have any more faith than a demon because they get emotional too, but they don't obey. The rich young ruler believed in Jesus. He wanted to be a disciple. He came to Jesus and asked him. Jesus said, go sell all you have, give it to the poor, come and follow me. And he went away sad. So he walked away. He loved riches more than his willingness to obey Jesus. And the reason Jesus asked him to give it all away is because he knows the thought and intent of every heart. You can't fake him out with your prayer. He knows what you're thinking. You might as well tell him. And he knew this guy's big hang-up was his wealth, his personal security. And so he went for it. And whatever yours is, he'll go for that too to see if you trust him. So he wasn't willing to obey Jesus, but he believed in Jesus. So here's the question this morning. Are we willing to obey God's word, even if it's uncomfortable? Sometimes, well, I just don't see why. Well, that's why you're not God, you know, or me. All I'm told to do is obey it. But if I obey it, the blessing of heaven says will run over me. If not, I'm going to live in spiritual captivity, that's Egypt, and bondage all my spiritual life. Yeah, I'll go to heaven through Jesus Christ, but I'm going to have a life of bondage and misery and barrenness here on planet Earth. So the first battle you're going to fight when the doctor says you've got cancer or you've got some heart disease is that iron grip of fear. Fear will grab you by the throat, and in 30 seconds you'll be in shock, you'll ease into depression, and you'll be screaming, this can't be happening to me. Why me? And you'll look at God and say, why me? I go to church, I sing in a choir, I teach a class, I serve, I tithe. Why is this happening to me? And God said, fear not. Quit freaking out. And a little voice will say, you're not going to make it. Your grandmother didn't make it. You probably won't make it either. And God says, fear not. And that little voice says again, you're finished, you're done, you're toast. And which voice you decide to believe is going to determine 
what the outcome will be when the best medical minds give you or a member of your family a death sentence. You're stunned, you're in shock, this can't be happening, but it is. Now when fear knocks at the door, you send faith to answer and no one will be there. You look at it right in the eyes. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear comes to me, fear comes to you, fear comes to everybody. I don't escape fear, I just face that sucker down. I know God has not given it to me and I rebuke you. So some believers are so afraid they fail to live. If I should die tonight before I wake, we need to stop praying that. I think Jesus would say, look, Sparky, what if you don't die tonight? Are you going to live tomorrow? That's the whole question. We all into this dying business. God's into this living business. And some people have been dying for 40 years, although they're fine. Every pain, every lump must be some critical disease. They're kleptomaniacs. I mean, they got a pill. They think they got every kind of a misfortune over and over. Courage is not the absence of fear. It is the conquest of fear. David said, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Listen to Psalms 46, verse 3 verses. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth be shaken and mountains fall into the sea. See, although the world gets turned upside down, God says, don't be afraid. Jesus gave the church this command. There's 368 of them. Fear not. Fear not disease. I am the great physician who heals all your diseases. Fear not tomorrow. I'm already there. Don't fear your past. I've already forgiven it and forgotten it, and there is no record of it. Don't fear your enemies. They will come at you one way. They will flee seven ways. Don't worry about things that come against you. The Red Sea will part. The impossible will become possible. The cloud by day and fire by night will be with you. Whatever you need, call, and you'll receive it. Those are the blessings of God that overtake the righteous. I don't know what tomorrow holds, and neither do you. But my, I know who's holding tomorrow, and I believe everything's going to be all right. So we ought to lie down in peace and sweet sleep, the Bible says. Now think about this, thirdly. Your mental state of mind is crucial to dealing with any disease. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. If you think you're whipped, you probably are. If you think you can't, you won't. If you think you can, you probably will. But you can't do it until you believe you can do it. When you want what you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. You've got to put your hand in the hand of God, get as mentally tough as a junkyard dog, and fight like a tiger. Because tough times don't last, but tough people do. And I'm trying to say, church, you've got to get a little bit tougher. You've got to beat the scared in you. I've watched doctors tell patients in a hospital they've got the dreaded disease. The tests have come back. And the patient goes pale, starts weeping, and instantly in their mind, they start folding up like a bad accordion instead of suiting up and fighting this thing. See? So stop it. It's never over until God says it's over. When God speaks, it'll override medical science. And by the way, we have lots of doctors here, and thank God Luke was a physician in Scripture. He was also a bootlegger in Alabama, but... That's beside the point. My middle name is Luke. But, but I don't know why that flashed into my mind. That was probably demonic. 
But all I know is the doctors are giving you the best medical report they can based on physical evidence. But that's not the last straw. That's not the last voice. It's not over till God says it's over. You fight till your last breath. You, you do what God says to your last breath. So I let God deal with what the outcome's going to be. I don't know, but I am going to fight and I'm going to do what he says. Studies at the Menninger Clinic state that every change in the mental and emotional state of a human, whether conscious or unconscious, is accompanied by a change in the physical body. We often hear the word psychosomatic. It means something that affects the mind and the body. Human beings are body, soul, and spirit. What affects your mind will affect your body. When you read God's Word, and I'm going to show you in a moment, it is a spiritual force that goes into your whole body, including the marrow of your bones. God's Word is the greatest source of life-giving power in the world. Dr. Herbert Benson writes that in 25% of sickness, medicine is the crucial factor for recovery. But in 75% of illnesses, a person's state of mind plays a major role in the healing process of that illness. Now, sometimes people say, well, Rick, I don't have great faith for healing. But the Bible says every person has been given a measure of faith. So everybody in this room has a measure of faith. It doesn't take great faith to believe in a God who never fails. But if you've got a little faith in a great God, nothing is impossible to you. If God has done it, he can do it, and he will do it for you. If God has healed before, he will heal again. If God has provided before, he's provided again. If God helped you kill a lion and bear in the past, he'll help you kill a giant right now in your future. What he has done, he can do and he will do for you. Now, your speech releases the power of life and death. This is not my opinion. It's God's word. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they who love it, that is the speech of their mouth, shall eat the fruit of it. That's God's promise that you are going to eat your speech. Be careful what you say. You're going to taste it tomorrow. Your words are building blocks that construct your life and your future. Are you saying what God said or what your in-laws said or what the newspaper said or what that little voice from the enemy is telling you? See, your words are the cornerstones of your life. Your words determine whether you'll live life unlimited or live in an emotional prison where you're the only inmate and the key of hope has been thrown away by your mouth. Bitter, negative, hateful, fearful, hopeless speech coming right out of your mouth. Reader's Digest in the mid-90s carried this article, The Patient Knows Best, a person's answer to the following question. Is your health excellent, good, fair, or poor? is a remarkable predictor of who's going to live or die in the next four years, according to medical records. Of more than 2,800 men and women, 65 years and older, it found that those who rate their health as poor are five times more likely to die in the next four years than people who rate their health as excellent, even when medical examinations prove they both had equal health. Amazing. The findings are supported in other studies totaling 23,000 people, which reached similar conclusions, according to Ellen Eidler, a sociologist at Rutgers University. 
The point is the people who have the image of themselves as being weak and poor in poor health and fail health, who are constantly talking about their poor health, who are constantly checking their heartbeat and every spot on their tongue, these are the people who are not going to live. And I've had relatives like that. And some of you have too. And maybe some of you are that relative here today. Even though they're in good health, they live out the reality of their mind. The power of life and death is in your tongue. God said that. Now remember, God's Word is not Time Magazine or the Encyclopedia Britannica. God says it's alive and powerful. It's living. It cuts like a two-edged sword. I mean, this is, this is a weapon of mass destruction, the Word of God. It's affecting people who don't even know it's affecting them when they're sitting under it. So you're going to eat the fruit of your speech. Remember that the next time you open your mouth regarding what you say and what you believe. You be careful what you say when some unfortunate event happens, a diagnosis, a layoff from a job, uh, a problem with a child, an uh, economic possible problem coming at you, and at the moment you see no way to financially avoid this thing or how it might destroy you. Watch your mouth in those critical moments because God wants you to say what He says. I will plant you by living water. Your, tree, your leaves shall not wither. Whatever you do shall prosper. Give it shall be given to you good measure. I'll rebuke the devourer. I could quote a hundred scriptures in rapid fire, and that's exactly what I'm going to do in that situation. I'm going to throw God's word at it. How did God, through Jesus Christ, rebuke the devil? How did he back him off? Every time he came at Jesus, he quoted scripture. Every, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Now, if he had to do it in human form, what's your problem? What's your excuse? How do you, how do you think you're going to fare when the enemy or situations come against you? God's given us an incredible weapon, the sword of the Lord. That's your only offensive weapon. And Ephesians says it's the word of God. I can do some damage to the enemy, and so can you. But I can damage myself if I don't know it. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your words are going to bring blessing or a curse. Watch your words. You'll eat every one of them in your tomorrows. Luke 6, verse 45, a good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. An evil man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your words and mine are vital to my health and well-being. I believe that a constant proclamation, as we did two weeks ago, of God's Word spoken in faith will bolster your immune system, your emotional system, and your spiritual foundation. Now let me give you 10 quick verses from God's Word that prove and support that idea. Here we go. First, Job 22, verse 28. You shall decree a thing. That means to proclaim it, to speak it. Decree is something royalty does. A king makes a decree, a proclamation. The Bible says you are a royal priesthood, believer. We are kings and priests unto God. So I'm looking at a room full of royalty that has access, open access to God Almighty. You shall decree a thing, and it shall be established for you, and the light of God shall shine on your way. I decree it. God establishes it. I walk in favor. Number two, Proverbs 18, 7. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are a snare to his soul. 
That means you are determining your future by what you say. Well, I'll never get into that school. Well, they'll never receive me. Uh, we can't afford college. I'll never qualify for a scholarship. You might as well roll over and die. What is wrong with you? You're living in the wrong home, the wrong family, or you're running with the wrong people. This is nonsense. You're a child of God. You've been adopted in his family. He's got big plans for you. Stop talking like a termite. That just gets me so mad. I think even as a pagan, I talk better than that. I always believed I can, even when I wasn't sure how to do it. If somebody offers you a ride on a rocket, don't ask what seat. Get on that sucker. Where was I? I got lost here. Number three, Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, that's a speech, unto this mountain, be removed, cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe what he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Talk. Number four, 21, 23, Proverbs. Whosoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. If you don't want to have trouble, shut up. If it's none of your business, shut up. You don't have to have an opinion about everything. Number five, Proverbs 10, verse 11. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. Number six, Proverbs 12, verse 14. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. Number seven, Proverbs 12, verse 18. The tongue of the wise is health. What you proclaim is health. Proverbs 13, 3, number eight. He that keeps his mouth keeps his life. Number nine, Proverbs 15, 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And number 10, Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are as honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to all your bones. Your words are life and health to all my flesh, Scripture says. Now, I don't know how you could possibly, as a believer, have any doubt in your mind that what you say has some effect on your destiny and on your health. So I ask you, could you be killing your future, your health, your career, your marriage, your children, your economic condition with your mouth, with your speech? Are you destroying your future by your speech? So could there be any doubt at all in your mind words will affect your soul? Matthew 12, verse 36, but I say to you, Jesus says, every idle word men shall speak, they shall give an account of. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now to close, three quickies here on conquering that fear with faith. Number one, saturate your mind with God's word. Saturate your mind with God's word. Try to memorize some scriptures. That's good. But at least write them down on a card and say them out loud. Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, forget not my word, for length of days and long life and peace it will bring to you. The word shall be health to your navel, that's your belly button, and strength to your marrow of the bones. Now the navel, belly button, is the point of contact between mother and child. That's the life source. The Word of God is the point of contact with a believer to give him a source of life. So God's Word, he says, has life in it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when you read God's Word, when you proclaim God's Word, it energizes your physical life. 
It talks about what it does to the marrow of your bones. The marrow of your bones are where your red blood cells that carry oxygen are produced, white blood cells are produced that fight infection and disease, and your blood platelets. And they're not eternal. They have to continually be reproduced in the marrow of your bone to keep you uh, immune to disease and healthy and strong. Correct? Some of you that have fought a disease know they want to, well, my white blood platelets are, are down or to whatever. You understand that's done in the marrow of the bone. So when you read God's word, it energizes the marrow even in your bone. That means it's a source of health and healing. God's word is a source of health and healing. Perpetual repairing of my physical body. Number two, pray without ceasing. Tell God exactly how you feel. If you feel angry, say so. If you're frustrated, let him know. Don't be pious and say, oh, if thou wouldest and couldest. You know, pray like Peter. Help, Lord, save me. That's a good prayer. And God heard it and God saved you. But God knows how you feel. And the thing is, don't stop. Men ought always to pray and not to faint, Paul wrote. And that's your only two choices. Well, I've been praying for a month. Well, duh, keep praying. What does pray without ceasing mean? Until you get it. Until it happens. Pray without, I'm going to fight it till I die or I get it. It's not over till you win. You keep praying. You can't, you're, you, you're being spoiled by an American culture that wants instant gratification. Everything's now. I want to lose 40 pounds in a week. Well, yeah, maybe if you die and decompose, maybe. I doubt you'd lose that much even in a week. But you watch too much TV, and in our culture, everything is quick and easy and quick and easy, Right? Sure it is. And that you'll come to God thinking it ought to be quick. Well, it's not always quick. You might have to pray a long time. So how much perseverance do you have? I'll tell you, the winners and losers, check out perseverance. Everybody has setbacks. Everybody's had disappointments. Everybody's had failure. But there are some that won't quit, like the Eagles this next weekend, I hope. I just threw that in. I know I'll get hate mail. I don't care. I don't care. I wouldn't dare try to use my influence from the pulpit in any way. (laughs) Number three, list all your worst fears. Write them down on paper. Habakkuk 2, verse 2. Write the vision down. Make it plain. Don't be obscure. Write the sucker down. I need $10,000 more a month. Or, Lord, the doctor says this, and it runs, and it'll get worse, and there's no medical cure. Write down every fear you have. I'm afraid I won't find a husband before menopause, help, whatever. That's a real fear if you're a female. That's a real fear. So write down everything you're thinking about. Then write these words in bold letters. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Nothing is impossible to those who believe. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I will not be afraid. He is the Lord who heals me, and everything is going to be all right. Praise God. Amen. Now, what do you do when you don't know what to do, and that will happen occasionally? You do what Proverbs 3 says. You trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding, your feelings, your emotion. That cannot be my guide. I've got to live by what God said in His Word. 
If I'm flying an airplane and I have no visual references, I must focus on my instruments only. The, my body might say I'm climbing, I'm diving, I'm in a right turn, but my instruments say I'm straight and level. I'm taught you believe the instrument. Your feelings are so subjective. They can be all over the place. Don't trust your feelings. You live by every word of God. Now, if you want to lose your mind, ask a dozen people what they think. God help you. No, you ask the Lord what He thinks and stay with that. He is the answer. He has the answer. He will give you the answer. He promised that. And finally, don't resist grief. Ever heard the expression, good grief? Do you know medically it's very healthy to express a measure of grief? Notice I said a measure of grief. God allowed Israel to grieve 40 days for Moses. And that was it. It's over. Take off your black clothes. You can't perpetually grieve forever. But grief is appropriate. It's healing to your body and your emotion. Jesus wept, and you're not going to lose your membership in a courageous men's club if you cry. I've cried tears as well. Most people think, oh, you never cry. You don't know. But we're all different and what it may bring tears to your eyes. I don't cry for me ever, but I've seen some situations that make you cry. There are times grief gushes out of you. Well, let it. It's a healing force for your body and your emotions. You deal with people, you'll cry too. That's, that's a fact. It's very healthy. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. Church, would you say out loud with me unto the Lord? You are the Lord that heals all my diseases. Now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a little attacking right now, a little warfare. If you're suffering with a sickness or some infirmity and you want to be healed of it, I want you to engage in this attack with me by standing to your feet, and I'm gonna lead us in scriptural proclamations. Gonna do it boldly. Not gonna mumble. If you don't want it, then get up and fight it. And we're gonna do exactly what God said. This is God's medicine, His Word. You ready? Say with me out loud. I bless you, Lord, with all my soul. I thank you for all your benefits. You forgive all my iniquity and all my sin. I thank you, Father. You sent your word to heal all my diseases. I thank you, Father. Your word is life to my flesh and health to all my body. Your word is penetrating my spirit, causing health to come into my physical body. I thank you, Father, that healing is a benefit of our covenant with Jesus Christ. I thank you that the same Spirit that raised Jesus' dead body up from the grave dwells in me. I confess your word is alive and powerful and will penetrate to the deepest part of my joints and marrow. Your words are life to me and health to all my flesh. 
So I take authority now in the name of Jesus. I command every symptom of sickness and disease attacking my body to bow in the name of Jesus. I command disease, infection, inflammation, lumps, tumors, cysts, and polyps to die and pass safely out of my body. I command my heart and my cardiovascular system to be at peace and to function in the perfection that God made you. I speak health to my colon, to my intestinal tract. I speak healing to my blood, into the marrow of my bone. I rebuke pain, high blood pressure, hepatitis, diabetes, and every other disease that's not of God. Leave my body in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. You promised to bless me and to bless my bread and water and to take sickness from the midst of me. So right now, I receive healing in Jesus' name. My body's getting stronger. My condition is getting better. And from this day forward, my physical body, through the proclamation of God's eternal word, is going to respond and recover in Jesus' name. Now shout amen. Lord, thank you. We bless you and we praise you, almighty God. We are not going to sit around and wait to get put on a prayer list. We are going to have prayer, but we're going to take charge as well. We're going to participate in our own condition according to God's Word. And I'm telling you, it's not Baptist, it's not Assembly of God, it's not Catholic, it's not Episcopalian, it's Bible. It's clear Bible. And if Jesus did it, you do it. When he walked up to Peter's mother-in-law, he rebuked her fever. You rebuke the fever over your child. Use every method of healing possible. Good medical treatment, an appropriate medicine or antibiotic, and sock it with God's Word in prayer and speed that healing. Well, what if I don't get well? Well, one day we are going to die. But why don't you let God determine that instead of you quitting and dying before you die? You fight that thing. How many, how many married ladies here have faced the inability to conceive for a child? And you'd like to become pregnant, and if so, I want to pray for you. God seems to honor that prayer quite a lot. Now, let me tell you the difference in healing and a miracle. When you're missing parts, that's not healing. That's a miracle. But many times, things are not functioning properly. That's healing. So I'm, I'm asking if you've just, you and her husband, it's not working. I want to pray for you. If your husband's with you, have him come stand with me right here at the front with you. Just come stand with me. Hey, guys, just move just a little bit. And I'm going, to get our, um, I'm going to get our elders, wives, and men just to come over and stand behind them. And I'm going to pray for you. Come on. Hey, this works a lot, okay? And it's a lot cheaper. 
Yeah, that's great. Now I'm going to stand on God's word, not any feeling, and I'm going to proclaim it over you. Just come on, come, come, come closer. Sit here, because I want some, some of the gals behind it. If you're with your husband when I pray, I want him to put his hand on your tummy. If you have a best friend, girlfriend, she can do it. Or if uh, it's girl to girl here, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, got everybody? Okay, come stand. We're going to pray. Now I want you to relax. You don't have to pray, just relax. Be at peace. Holy Spirit, I invite your presence right now over my brothers and sisters, over the reproductive organs and glands, and over the womb. Your word declares that you make the barren woman to be a joyful mother of many children. Your word declares that if we obey your word and keep your covenant, there shall neither be male nor female in the land. Neither shall you cast forth your young by miscarriage before its time. I break the curse of miscarriage. I break the curse of failure to conceive. I break the curse of barrenness. Every curse that's come through your generations is broken in Jesus Christ, who redeemed you from the curse that the blessings of Abraham may come on you through Christ Jesus. And I command the ovulation and menstrual cycle to function properly. I command every reproductive organ and gland to come under the authority of God. You will function as God ordains you. I speak conception and fruitfulness into your womb. I speak health and strength to the seed of your husband. And I proclaim life in that womb in the name of Jesus. Now just touch that tummy in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, open the womb. Open the womb that we may praise you, that we may bless you. Our children are a gift from God. We thank you. Blessed is the man that has his quiver full. Open the womb. Every word that's been spoken, medically or by relationships, that contradicts your will, I break it in Jesus' name. And I loose healing and fruitfulness to the womb in Jesus name in Jesus name I rebuke fear I rebuke stress I rebuke anxiety in Jesus name Lord we bless you we thank you in Jesus name amen how about a good shout amen you can go back to your seat thank you that was a, my wife had a thought and I said honey that's a good thought yep now here's the thing about babies and healing it takes a little time and faith without works is dead so it takes a little bit of time for this one but when that happens will you give us your testimony so we can share it with other people so they have hope and encouragement this is a good day a lot of stuff's going on in the atmosphere for more information on summit christian center visit summitsa.com